Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, if you've been at Wildwood the last several weeks, you know that uh, Pastor Bruce Hess has been leading us in a study called Amazing Grace. Um, and if you're really perceptive, you know that I'm not Bruce. And so uh, today, we're going to press pause on that series as he's on vacation along with a number of others with fall break and uh, the national holiday known as OU Texas Weekend. And um, so with, with that... Uh, we're going to take a break from that series and look into God's Word together as we look today at this little book called Third John at the end of your New Testament. And so um, we're going to look there in just a minute. Um, if you're doing some math in your head and you're thinking that I must have an obsession with the Apostle John who wrote this, last summer I preached on First John, this fall I'm teaching a class uh, on the Gospel of John. Uh, you're right. I do have an obsession with him right now. Um, God's been blessing me with reading uh, his writings in the New Testament, and we're going to take a look at another one of them today. Uh, a book that I've never taught from and a book that I've never studied with a group, but I'm excited we have an opportunity to look at it together today. So before we open up and look at the book of Third John together, let me pray for us. Father, thanks so much for today. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your provision for us, and thank you that you are here with us now. Father, because of that, uh, you are the featured attraction today. Father, we want to worship you. We lift your name up, and now we want to hear from you. Um, we need your direction for our lives, and so we look into your word today. And we pray, Father, that your spirit that resides here in this room, where two or more are gathered, and your spirit that resides in our hearts, through the deposit of your Holy Spirit at the point that we trust Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Father, we pray that that Spirit would lead and guide us as you have promised into all truth. And we pray that you would teach us today, not me. And Father, I pray that you would just protect me from saying anything you wouldn't want said. You'd, you'd protect me from getting in the way. Father, but uh, if I do share things today that you would want us to hear, I pray that you would help us to believe them, to remember them, and to walk forward in them in the power of your Spirit, that we might be shaped more into the image of your Son. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, as a people, we are systematically buried under an avalanche of information. You ever thought about this? As a people today, as Americans today, we are buried under an avalanche of information. University of California at San Diego recently did a study, and they found that the average American consumes 34 gigabytes of information every day. We are being buried under an avalanche of information. Yeah, and you hear that number, 34 gigabytes, I don't even know what that means. So I started translating that a little bit into my life and what that means for me. Uh, and I just thought of, I would do an audit over the last several weeks of the communication that, that I've had. And, and what I found as I looked over the last several, several weeks is that I, I've averaged about 500 emails a week. I've averaged about 100 phone calls a week. I've averaged about 50 text messages a week. Um, and I say that not just for you to go, wow, you're really, people want to talk to you. I, I think I'm average 
for folks. If you really stopped and thought, how much information do you get coming to you? And that's just the things that get to me through the digital world, right? That's, that's the things that find me even if I go in my office and lock the door and close the blinds, and all I have with me is my phone and my laptop. I'm going to be presented with a, an average of about 100 requests a day. Uh, we are being buried in an avalanche of information, and that's just the things that are coming to us in the digital world. Uh, there are also things that come to us in, in the real world, as, as in people, you know, face-to-face contact, people coming in and, and talking to us about various things and asking us for things, things that come through this really archaic form of communication known as, you know, snail mail. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Um, you have a box in your house and various things get placed in it. Um, usually requiring you to pay something in return. We, we get these things in the mail. And, you know, my mailbox, this is just from, you know, the last month or so. I mean, I, I've got this uh, ESPN, the magazine. Um, normally, I would want to read this. This is why I have a subscription. I, I like to keep up on what's happened in the world of, of sports. But this edition, uh, you know, dated September the 19th, 2011, I haven't even opened yet um, because just so much information, right? I don't even have a chance to get to the things that I want to get to. Uh, my mailbox is full of, you know, bank statements and friend, just between friends, you know, when you want to buy something from that kid, uh, you know, a- Asian restaurants, credit card applications, um, Jason White hawking uh, air conditioning system for me, um, whatever it is, we have all of this stuff that comes to us in the mail, and you add that to everything that comes to us in digital communication, and you add that to everything that comes to us in face-to-face communication, and we are buried under an avalanche daily of 34 gigabytes of stuff. And you know what happens when we have that much input coming into our lives? You know what happens. You begin to ignore it. You begin to be desensitized by it. You begin to not pay attention to things that otherwise would be very significant and otherwise would be very important, but it gets lost among the clutter. It's like going in, 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 onto a crowded street corner where everybody is, is yelling and screaming and trying to make out one independent voice. We just get buried in this avalanche of information. And because that's my experience, I, I, I assume that, that somebody out there is going to say, yeah, that's, that's my experience too. It, you know, the, the, there may be different quantities of various things. Some of you may have way more information, that, you know, requests and, and contact, and some people have, may have a little bit less. But, but all of us are presented with enough stuff every week to bury us under this avalanche of information that causes us to somehow miss important things. Because in the midst of this, this inbox, in the midst of this mailbox, we get things that are really significant that sometimes we fail to acknowledge. You know, one of the things that we've gotten in our mailbox and that we get in our mailbox on a regular basis, these are just some of these from recent days. Um, these are, are letters from friends who are serving Christ around the world, uh, these prayer letters. Um, how many of you in the last 30 days have gotten something from a missionary or a missions organization or a Christian organization requesting support, funds, prayer, something like that in the last 30 days? I mean, 
a bunch of us, right? This is something that, 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 that comes into our inbox. And I mean, these are otherwise very exciting things. I mean, here's a letter from a friend who's serving in East Asia. Here's a, a letter from a friend who's serving in that exotic location of South Dakota. Here's a letter from, uh, you know, f- friends who are serving in St. Louis and the University of Oklahoma and Colorado Springs. And we, we have all of these, these letters that are coming to us. But, but the problem that I have, and maybe the problem that you have, is that this information gets added to this enormous pile of, of information, and we just get buried in it, and it causes us to not pay attention to it. It causes us to just have it added to the clutter of our lives, and we don't give it the focus that, that maybe we could or should give to it. You know, I, I say that not as something to share with you, but as something to share with me. Um, there are letters in this stack that I haven't read. Um, there's an avalanche of information that has come to us. But the reality is that, that you and I have the opportunity to partner with those that we don't see to reach the unreached with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's an opportunity that you have, and that's an opportunity that I have, and that is an amazing thing. We have the opportunity to link arms with people who are not in this room to impact people that we might not ever meet with the good news of Christ. What, a, what an opportunity, what a blessing. But the problem is that it gets added to the pile of information that comes around us, and it's just another request. It's just another thing. It's just background noise. Because this is an experience that, that, that I have, and because this is an experience that you have, really, my, my hope for us today is that we would look at a passage of Scripture together that would encourage us um, to continue to partner with those that we cannot see to reach the unreached. Just a simple encouragement. And we're only going to see that. It's just one thing. You know, sometimes it's like, how many points are in this message? There's one point in this message. We have the opportunity to partner with those we don't see to reach the unreached. And we're going to see that from the book of 3 John. And we're going to see it in a message that I've entitled, The Other Side of the Letter. The Other Side of the Letter. And in, in, by, by, by saying the other side of the letter, I mean, we get all these letters in the mail. But sometimes we don't think about what's happening on the other side of this. And the opportunity that we have to be a part of it. We're going to do that by looking at the book of Third John. And I think that it's interesting that God includes in His Word in the book of 3 John, um, this encouragement for us to partner with those that we don't see to reach the unreached. I think it's interesting that he includes it in his word for us to be encouraged by today. Um, and I, I'm so glad that he does because, you know, this is, a, this is something that all of us are faced with. You know, all of us are faced with opportunities to pray for somebody, to support them on a trip financially, to whatever, and, and yet, we don't often hear anything taught about that topic unless it's being taught by the person that's simultaneously asking you for money. Um, and so, I wanted us to have an opportunity today to look at this topic together in an environment where I'm not going to ask you for anything, um, just to see what God's Word says 
about this opportunity. And we're going to see this from the book of 3 John uh, in four verses, verses 5 to 8. 3 John is a personal letter. It's a letter that the Apostle John wrote to a man named Gaius who lived in the province of Asia in the first century after, uh, you know, during the life of Christ and then the, the years immediately following. And John had some connection to him. John pastored a church in this area, and Gaius was somebody that, that John knew. And Gaius was somebody who had a reputation for partnering with those he didn't see to reach those who were unreached. And John wrote him a letter to encourage him. And today, we're going to see uh, what John, how John encouraged him and what it means for us from the book of 3 John, verses 5 to 8. So let's look at those verses together. Beginning in verse 5, John writes and said, Beloved, this is, John is addressing Gaius here. He's saying, Gaius, my beloved friend. Gaius, uh, my, my, my friend that we go way back with. Gaius, the one that I, I care so deeply for. Gaius, beloved, it's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. He's saying, Gaius, you are involved in a ministry to help those who are brothers, who are fellow believers in Christ, who have traveled into your area, who you didn't know previously, and you have provided them assistance on their journey. You see, in, in the ancient world at this time, there were a number of itinerant Christian missionaries who were traveling around the Roman Empire who were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere they went. And Gaius lived in a town that apparently was along one of these major transits. He lived in a town that was on the I-35 of his day. He lived in a town that was at the corner of I-35 and I-40 of his day. There were a lot of travelers that came through here. And in the first century, there were a number of travelers that came through there who were itinerant Christian missionaries who were traveling around the Roman Empire telling others the good news of Christ. And Gaius lived in this town, and it says that he put forth a lot of effort to help these brothers in Christ who were doing this kind of work, even though they were strangers to him, even though he had not met them before. And because Gaius was helping these people as they were going in their ministry, Gaius had become famous even if he didn't realize it. Gaius had become someone that people all over the Roman world at that time were talking about, especially in this area, because those who were helped by Gaius were sharing of his reputation and of his ministry with others. Look at what it says in verse 6. It says, these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. They were telling others, there's this man named Gaius, and when I came to his town, he, he let me stay in his spare room. He, he, let, he fed me food while I was there. He prayed for me and for the ministry that I was a part of. He sent me with some supplies to carry me to the next town. See, the, the itinerant Christian missionaries that were traveling around the first century knew about this man named Gaius because he was helping them in their ministry everywhere they went, and they were telling others about it. John writes to Gaius, and he says, hey, do you realize this is your reputation? 
And then he continues in verse 6, he says, You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. See, that phrase, you will do well to send them on their journey, is, is not necessarily a command. It's more like idiom of the day. John was saying, hey, please keep doing this. Saying that your reputation has been that you are helping those who are sharing the gospel by providing for them financially, by helping to take care of some of their needs, by praying for them. Please continue to do that, John says, because it is something that is honoring to God. He says, please do this because you're doing this and it's something that is worthy of God. And why is John's help of them worthy of God? John's help of them was, is worthy of God because it's, it's something that was done to the glory of God and in the name of God. See, these people who were going around sharing the gospel were not going around sharing the gospel for their own gain. They were going around sharing the gospel not for their own glory. They were sharing it for, for Christ's glory. They were sharing it that people might come into a relationship with God and lift up the name of Christ. And because of that, it's, it's something worthy of God to support people who are helping in this ministry. And it's important that the church step up to support people who are engaged in this ministry because they're the ones who can help. You see, John says to, 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 to Gaius, he reminds him, he says, these people are accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Now, what he means when he says that is that in the world of the first century when this was, when this was written, the majority of the people that had a relationship with Christ were from a Jewish descent. So when he says that they're accepting nothing from the Gentiles, he's basically saying they're not getting any help from the people who have not yet come to faith in Christ. The people that they go to, the unreached, are not supporting them financially, leaving open the opportunity for believers to step in and provide for them so that the unreached might hear the good news of Christ. And because that is done to the glory of God, and because that is done so that others might raise Christ up, it's something that is worthy for the people of God to support. Verse 8 continues and says, Therefore we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. John kind of wraps up his encouragement to, to Gaius here by saying, Hey, keep this up. Keep this up because you are partnering with people that you're not going to continue to see. You're going to partner with these unseen people to reach people that might not otherwise be reached with the good news of Christ. See, John is encouraging Gaius to be a part of this ministry, to partner together. And what a powerful thing that is, that is mentioned there, that Gaius, by giving up his bed so that someone else might sleep there, is actually partnering to fulfill the Great Commission. You know, sometimes we, we say those kinds of things to each other, that when we pray for a missionary or when we, we contribute to them financially or whatever that might be, we, or an organization, whether it's domestic or, or around the world, we, we, we say things like we're partnering with them, but sometimes we fail to remember exactly what that means. When we say we're partnering with them, we mean we're actually engaging 
in the cause of Christ to take the gospel to the unreached. John wanted Gaius to remember that, and he wanted him to be encouraged to continue to do that. You see, we have been encouraged through the book of 3 John to partner with the unseen to reach the unreached. And, and I say that not as something that we are failing at. I say that by way of encouragement to this congregation, which is excelling at this. Uh, something that, that is just, just amazing to me is when you think about Gaius being a person in the first century who was known for his help in spreading the gospel in places that he didn't see. I believe that Wildwood is known um, in this area as a church that is investing in similar ways. And uh, one of the things that uh, will maybe help to illustrate that a little bit for us is something that's found in your bulletin. Um, When you came in today, you got a bulletin, and and in your bulletin, there's a little handout that looks something like this. I'd ask you to go ahead and pull it out now. We've got a, a version of it up on the screen. But this little handout, um, I, I went about trying to put together some kind of a, a depiction of how Wildwood is involved in gospel causes around the world that aren't directly in this room. You know, not things that happen with Wildwood, but ministries that Wildwood partners with. Some of those are local. Some of those, like like Eden Clinic or Young Life, some of them are are uh, domestic around the United States, like you know. Uh, crusade or, or whatever it might be, and some of them are international uh, ministries around the world. Um, but you know, I, I started with the 21 different missions organizations or individuals that Wildwood partners with corporately. By that, I mean the, the 21 individuals and, and families that, and, and ministries that Wildwood as a church contributes financially to. So when you give your offering on Sundays, a portion of that is going to support a number of missionaries and ministries that Wildwood supports corporately uh, around the world. Our prayer team lifts up these missionaries corporately uh, around the world. These 21 different people, about $100,000 a year from Wildwood corporately goes to those missionaries and, and those, those missions organizations. Um, but to stop at only those 21 missionaries and ministry organizations would be not a correct reflection of what all is happening. Because while we come together and pool our funds through general offering to help some, individually, uh, many of you are involved in supporting different ministries uh, in other ways, whether it be through finances or through prayer. Uh, you have different missionaries or ministries that you're a part of. And so I, I sent out an email on Tuesday this last week and said, over the next 48 hours, if you have an opportunity, just Email me a list of people that you regularly financially support or pray for. And in that time, this is a very unscientific process, but I heard back from 64 families. And of those 64 families that responded, um, several others responded after I'd already put this to print. Um, But of the 64 families that responded that are recorded on here, uh, what we found was that there are 226 different missionary families or ministries that are regularly supported by those 64 families. Now, this is an interesting thing to note. When I say 226 different, that means 226 different ones. If, if 10 families all supported the same ministry, that's just one. So that's 226 different mission, missionaries or ministry organizations supported by only 64 families. And, and the supported people and organizations reside in 49 countries and on six continents. 
we still don't have anybody on Antarctica. If you want to get involved, we'll have some people in the gathering hall afterwards reaching the penguins. But there are, um, this is pretty remarkable when you think about that. And that's just with 64 families. If we were to get an accurate scientific survey done of Wildwood, that number would be way more. It would cover way more of the globe. I believe that if we were able to do some kind of comprehensive study of all of Norman, just this little place with 100 to 125,000 people, we were to find all the believers in Norman and, and all of the people within this area who are, who are praying for regularly or supporting financially missionaries around the world, we would fill the globe, and that's just in one area. It is remarkable to me to think of the reach that this place or that this city of believers, or when you think of all of the believers in the world, how, how much of the globe is covered through prayer and financial support and sending missionaries through this, that we have the opportunity, and sometimes we forget about this and we don't think about this, but as we gather here today, we are partnering with those we do not see. We can't look left or right and see them, but we are partnering with those that we cannot see to reach the unreached with the good news of Christ. There is nothing more exciting than to think about sharing the good news of Christ with someone that hasn't heard, and we have the opportunity to be a part of that. Through the 21 missionaries and ministry organizations that Wildwood partners with corporately and with the hundreds more that people are involved with individually. See, Gaius was encouraged to continue to support in a manner worthy of the Lord. And I, I would say the same thing to us as a church. Wildwood, keep up the good work. We have the opportunity to impact those that we may never meet with the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, as we think about being a part of supporting those missionaries and ministry organizations around the world, uh, what does that look like for us? And I want to spend the rest of our time just with some very practical suggestions for how you and how your family might be able to engage in um, partnering with those that we don't see to reach the unreached. Um, the first thing I, I want us to think about is the, the issue of opportunity, the issue of opportunity. To think about the opportunities that you have and that I have to partner with people to reach the unreached. Um, you know, our opportunities are different. There are things that you will hear about. There are things that you will be interested in that I don't hear about or that I'm not interested in, but that God fan some flame in your heart to encourage you to take a step towards involvement with that organization or with that missionary. You know, as I, I looked at this list, you know, on the back side of this piece of paper is a list of those missionaries and, and, and uh, ministry organizations that were mentioned. You know, there are, there are things on here that I've, I've never heard of before. There are things on here that I'm like, wow, that is really interesting, but I never would have thought to be a part of supporting that. And I, I think that diversity of opportunity and how it appeals to different ones of us for different reasons is so cool because it, it indicates that it's okay to say no to some things. Because a ministry or a missionary that may not be appealing to you might be to somebody else. You know, for you, it's like, I don't know if, what, what that is or what that's about. And somebody else is like, their heart is on fire to support that, to get involved and partner with them. 
See, our opportunities are different and they're diverse. And, and one of the things that's amazing about a place like Wildwood is that we do live at the corner of I-40 and I-35. Um, our opportunities are different because we live in a, in a town with a university where every four years, 20,000 people flip over. They're going everywhere. You know, some of you know this about me, but before I, I stepped into the role that I currently have at Wildwood, I spent about five years as the college pastor here. And in that era from 2001 to 2006, um, there's been about, there was about 25 different people that we had an opportunity to rub shoulders with in that era that are now currently serving Christ full-time around the world someplace in, in missionary service. You know, our opportunities are different. I mean, at 25 people, that, that's a staggering number, I think. I mean, you know, I, I think of the church I grew up in where nobody ever went anywhere, right? Um, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, you know, Bartlesville is not one of those, it's, it's not the corner of I-35 and I-40. It doesn't have a major university in its town. But because we're here, we have the opportunity to see things like this happen. We have some opportunity to partner with those, just as, as Gaius did that we, we don't see to reach those that are unreached. And, and our experience will help show us the opportunities that we have to be involved. You know, I, I'm a part of uh, some people that are praying for and financially supporting, Kimberly and I are, a, a church plant in Austin, Texas. Um, Todd Stuman, one of our, uh, our friends, is a, is a pastor down there, um, who's helping to plant this church. And you might think, you know, why in the world would we be a part of anything like that happening in Austin, Texas? And I can just tell you this much, you know, there are at least 55 reasons today why they need church in Austin, Texas. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Um, so we have different opportunities. And the opportunities that we have, many of them are, are part of what God has taken us through and where we are Gaius lived in a town where people came to his door and God moved in his heart to open his doors and welcome them in. And, and the same thing is, is true for you and for me. We have these opportunities. And as we see these opportunities, one of the things that we can do is we can help support financially with, with, with finances. I mean, this is maybe one of the most you know, popular ideas in terms of being a part of ministry. You know, and with Gaius, it was important that the believers and the church supported those who were ministering among the unchristian group, that, that the church could sponsor church work in unreached areas. And the same thing is true for us, whether that's financial support into the unreached area of high school students in this town through Young Life, or whether it's financial support through um, the unreached areas of Eden Clinic, or whether it's through places around the world, um, in East Asia or in Papua New Guinea or wherever your opportunities lie, that we can help give some of our finances so that the gospel might go out to people that are unreached. And, you know, if you're like me, when you look at the money that you give to support different things, at times it just looks so paltry. You know, they're, they're, we have different levels of financial support for the people that, that we're, we, we partner with. Um, but some of them, it's like, man, this just looks so small. I mean, I'm, I'm going to send this person $25 a month. I mean, that's, that's like a, a dinner for two, you know, at a place without a tip. You know, it's like, what, what is that? I mean, it seems so small. But one of the things that's so amazing to me is it's just like it's a fish and loaves thing, right? 
um, we give to the work of the Lord and, and in the hands of Christ, it all kind of comes together and it allows for somebody to share Christ in areas where the gospel needs to be preached. It didn't have to be some enormous amount of money. It all works together as God uh, makes, that, makes that possible. Um, and one of the amazing things when you give financially, even if it's a small amount, you know, a part of your heart is attached to that. Whether it's when you reconcile your bank statement through an electronic withdrawal or when you write a check or when you put an offering in, part of your heart is attached to that. You care because you've, been, you've partnered in one way or another. One of the things we can do is we can be a part of helping financially, partnering with the unseen to reach the unreached. Another thing that we can do is we can be a part of what I'm going to call home-style hospitality. Home-style hospitality. You know, the the missionaries that go out from here and the ministries that go different different places, uh, they will come back on occasion. And when they're here, one of the things we can do is we can welcome them. Just as, as Gaius welcomed into his home those who are traveling, you can welcome into your home those who you are partnering with. If it's a local organization, you could host something at your house. If it's a missionary who's back visiting, you could have them over for dinner. You could have them stay at your house. You could put the kids on the floor in sleeping bags and, and give up a room for a short time while this person is in town raising support or, or, or being encouraged or whatever. You know, I, uh, Kimberly and I have a, a, a dear friend um, Christy Sauer, who is, was on the mission field for a long time and, and uh, has a desire to go back there uh, one day. And, and, you know, one of the things that we've told her over a while is we, we've got, we've got her, her maiden name was Liggett. We said, we have a Christy Liggett suite at our house. Um, whenever you need it, it's yours. You know, if, if, it's, if it's midnight and you're coming at 12.05, you're welcome to it. You know, and, and it's just a way for us to, to partner with, with her who we don't always see to, to reach people of North Africa that we might not ever meet. Um, one of the ways you can be a part of it is just through some home-style hospitality. Another thing that you can do is you can pray. You can pray. And again, this is like finances. This is one that it's like, oh yeah, I knew, we knew you were going to say that. Um, it's an opportunity for us to pray. And, and sometimes we, you know, kind of, Think about prayer in terms of just a nice sentiment. I need to keep them in my thoughts. I need to think about them every once in a while. Um, but the reality is that when we, when we pray, we actually are partnering in their ministry. We're actually engaging in real ministry when we pray. Because think about this. Any Christian ministry, the things that we need to happen, whether that's here at Wildwood today or whether that's overseas or whether that's in a local organization, what the things that really need to happen are things that only God can do. And since God is the one who ultimately is going to do the work, then our geography is important, but it's not absolute. It's important to have somebody there, but we can engage in ministry there without actually being there because we can beseech the Lord to work in that location, in that situation. And, you know, there's, there's any number of stories that we could use to illustrate that. Um, stories from the mission field of this happening, but I, I'm going to show you just one that I think is is particularly poignant. And it it happened in 1960 in Kenya um, with the Mau Mau uprising, and there was a missionary team there, uh, Matt and Laura Higgins, who were in Kenya at that time. And while they were ministering there, and this Mau Mau uprising had happened, they were traveling from one place to another, and their travels were going to take them on a very dangerous road where 
Christians and, and others had been killed for their faith and, and had been robbed and, and terrible things had happened along this road. And so the, the Higgins take off and they're driving down this road and they're driving at night and their car breaks down. In the dark, they're not able to get their car started again. And so the Higgins family has to sleep in this car overnight in this very dangerous area. And they pray that God would protect them and help them through the night. And they wake, sure enough, they wake up the next morning and everything's okay. And they, they get things fixed and they make it into Nairobi and they catch a flight back to the States. And when they get back to the United States, they're talking to uh, a friend of theirs named uh, Brent or, or Clay Brent. And, and Clay Brent is, is relating to them. Um, and they, they say, you know, we had this experience and thankfully nothing happened to us. And, and Clay Brent says, when was that? And they say, well, it was, it was on May the 23rd at this time. And, and he goes, really? Because I had this, this feeling that I should be praying for you. And I, I got together with um, called, made some phone calls, and 15 friends got together, 16 total that gathered at the church that day in Michigan, and prayed for the Higgins family in Kenya. And they thought, wow, that was, that was, thank you so much for praying. It's amazing how the timing worked out that way. Well, when the Higgins went back to Kenya, in their time away, one of the leaders of the Mau Mau people had come to faith in Christ. And he shared a story about how there was a broken down car on this road into Nairobi several days earlier um, that he and some others had come up to attack. But as they got close to the car, they noticed that the car was being guarded by 16 men. And they turned around and they walked away. You see, when we pray, God works. See, it's God who is doing that work. We have the opportunity to partner with people that we don't see to reach the unreached because it's God who is doing the work and we get to pray. And in our hearts, through the opportunities that we have, get bound and knit together in different locations. And we have the opportunity to partner with them in prayer. You know something else we can do? We can just be a friend. We can just be a friend. You know, uh, this is, this is going to sound really cheesy, and I'm going to say it anyway. Missionaries are people too. Um, and we have the opportunity to just be friends with those who we are supporting. Uh, you know, uh, a couple of, of op- ways that this has played out for me in my life. There is one of, one of our, our friends, one of these 25 who are around the world serving Christ right now. They're, they're in Asia. Um, they actually have a Norman phone number through the, the wonders of Vonage and, uh, or, or Skype or whatever it is, you know, I can call a Norman number and it rings on his computer. And um, it's allowed me the opportunity to be able to just, we have regular Saturday appointments where we just talk in the morning and hang out and talk about OU football, talk about what's happening in town, talk about mutual friends, um, as well as encourage each other in the Lord. And it's, it's really nothing different than what we do with people that we see every day, Right. We just be a friend. It's just a way that you can be a part of those who are supporting. Just, just, you know, it might be through responding through that prayer letter email. It might be through sending them a note that has nothing to do with what they're doing, but just a, an interesting article that you read about whatever that you know that they're interested in. Just, just be a friend like you would with, with any other friend. There's another guy that he's able to have access to Facebook in the country where he is, and so we're able to sarcastically quip back and forth at each other on Facebook to various things and articles and stuff. It's just a way we're just, 
We're just partnering together in what he's doing by adding a little bit of normalcy just by, just by being his friend. And one of the things that we can do with those that we are partnering with is we can be their friend. And lastly, one of the things that we can do is we can go visit. We can go visit them. Um, and in some ministries, that is way easier. You know, for those that are local, you can go see what they're doing. You can go have lunch with somebody who's involved who you're supporting. Uh, with those that are, are more regional, maybe you've got a business trip in the city in the United States where that is, is taking place, and you can go just see what they're up to. Go spend some time with them. Just amazing, the encouraging things that come from just a visit. Just like we're encouraged when friends come visit us, you can encourage somebody by just going to visit. Sometimes it's maybe uh, even on a short-term mission trip to a location where a missionary is. I, I talked to some friends that uh, were actually in Africa, and they took the opportunity, since they were in the neighborhood, uh, to go visit their World Vision child while they were there. You know, that, that sometimes there are opportunities for us to go visit. And one of the ways in which we partner with those who are unseen, who are reaching the unreached, is we just go and we just go visit them. I, I showed this in the first service. One of the things I think would be amazing to do at some point in my life is to, to travel one time around the world and just go visit these folks, just see what they're up to, um, just, just spend an afternoon with them. I mean, just, you know, just the opportunity that we have to encourage just through our presence and through our prayers and through our finances, just being a friend. Um, we have the opportunity to partner with the unseen. I want to share one verse with you um, that came from the mouth of Christ. It's recorded for us in the book of Luke, chapter 16 and verse 9. And in Luke 16, uh, verse 9, Jesus is concluding a parable. And at the end of this parable, he's trying to encourage them to invest what they have, their time, their talent, their treasure, to influence people for eternal things, to share Christ with them. And Jesus says this, he says, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. What Jesus is saying is that we can, the things that are fading of this world, we can invest in reaching the unreached. And if those who we, we reach, even if we may never have met them, we may never see them in this life, we can partner to reach them. And if they precede us in death, then the picture of Luke 16, 9 is that when we go into eternity, that we will be greeted there by people who we have partnered to share the good news to, and they'll be there welcoming us into the presence of God. See, I think that's such an interesting story because Gaius opened his home to partner with people to reach the unreached. But, but when Gaius died... There were people in heaven opening their doors to welcome him in. See, we have the opportunity to partner with the unseen to reach the unreached. Now, there's a couple of things I want to mention as we, as we close uh, that would be ways that, that we can begin to get involved in this or continue to be involved in this as a congregation. Um, one is that we could... You know, for some of you, you might have an interest in uh, being a part of a team that is helping to support corporately Wildwood's missions program. You know, I mentioned the 21 
missionaries and, and, and mission organizations that Wildwood supports and, and helping to coordinate some of that effort. Uh, we have a, a world outreach team, and we'd like to increase the size of that and to increase uh, some of the work that we're doing there. And if you are interested in participating with that, um, then I'm going to, we have a, on this, this slide, you'll see, um, you know, there's a, a cell phone phone number there. And just text your name to that number, and we'll get back to you um, if you're interested in being a part of that team. And if anybody is, is out here thinking this, I don't have that number in my, I don't have that phone in my pocket. I know somebody's thinking, I'm going to text something really funny and cute right now, see if I can make his pocket vibrate. Don't worry, it's not here. Um, but but you, can, you can do that. I promise you, we'll see it. And we'll get, we'll get back to you if you're interested in being a part of um, that team uh, here at Wildwood. Uh, the second thing that I want us to do is, as we begin to wrap up, and I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to come on up now uh, as, as we prepare to close, um, is I want you to take out again this little piece of paper. Um, and this piece of paper that, that has these stars that highlight these, these ministries around the world, I want to give you an opportunity just to, to pray right now in this service to partner with those who are unseen but who are listed here or others that you may be aware of. Just pick out one of them. And as we prepare to sing our closing song, just spend a few moments quiet at your seat praying for, partnering with some ministry around the world that God has given you the opportunity to be aware of today. Um, And after we do that for a few moments, um, then Greg will lead us. We'll begin to sing our closing song together. Thank you.